ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 117 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast. I am your host, Andrew Hall, at Andrew Hall FF on Twitter. Follow us on the DAP Network, the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, obviously known as the DAP Network, at DAP underscore network on Twitter. Follow the junkies at Dynasty Junkies. Scott might show up at some point today. We're going to see what we can do. He's running a little late, and that's okay. But with or without Scott, we're in for a great show because our guest this week is the one, the only, Andrew Erickson from Fantasy Pros. Mr. Andrew Erickson, how are you, sir? I'm doing excellent, Andrew. I'm happy to be here with a fellow Andrew that also loves fantasy football. So I, I couldn't really think of a better way to spend my Thursday night. Maybe we get some good game action, but based on the track record so far of Thursday night football, uh, I wouldn't count on it. Let's see if like DeAndre Hopkins can get <laughs> offenses going across the board uh, is really what we're praying for here. Yeah, let's get some points. And again, we are at an earlier hour than usual. So I was saying before the show, usually we get the second half where it's kind of like snooze fest city and nobody really cares. But now we get to see some of those first TD props. We get to see how this game starts out. Maybe it'll be a fun one. And as we have said before, if you're listening to this later on and you're like, you guys are idiots, that was the greatest game of all time. So be it. I love it. Thank you for listening. We're big fans of you. And like I always say, tweet us the moment you hear us say this and go, you guys are idiots. And I would love to see it. But if you're joining us live, obviously join us, have fun, make some comments, uh, send some questions, we'll do our best to pay attention. But before we get too deep into the weeds, as I say, and the transition that Joe Pisapia would love, let's talk about the other weeds we're in our lives. The Manscaped is our new promo, our new sponsor of the podcast. Go to manscaped.com. You can get some info there, obviously, but support for Dynasty Junkies is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Yes, we checked. With the code junkies at manscaped.com. So please, obviously, Andrew, I know you've heard the Manscaped read. I know you've heard Joe do it a bunch of times. Are you a Manscaped subscriber, a fan? Do you have their tools? Oh, I do. I definitely do. Got to keep my, got to keep the family jewels intact. You got to keep them, you got to keep them tip top shape. That's right. That's right. And again, we're, it's one of our, it's the newest sponsor because it's the only sponsor, but at the same time, we don't mind being sellouts at all. It's the way to do this. And in all honesty, like, I can't believe this thing is so good. I've said this before, but it is one of the best trimmers I've ever seen. It, there are no nicks. You, there is no concern. There is no worry. Phenomenal. So use the code junkies at checkout, get 20% off and free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com. So with that in the can, let's move on real quick. I do want to start at the top here. Obviously, you're at Fantasy Pros. I write for Fantasy Pros from time to time. You're on the Fantasy Pros podcast with the aforementioned Joe Pisapia. But that's more of the, not the, that's the redraft uh, podcast side, really, more. 
what is your intro or what is your background, I guess, with Dynasty? How many Dynasty leagues are you in? Do you like Dynasty? Kind of give us a gist of where you are with that. Yeah, so I'm definitely in, I think it's like three or four Dynasty leagues. And I got started with that. Basically, when I started to take fantasy a little bit more seriously, I, I really, I was always really into like Madden franchise mode. Like I used Heck to yeah. love building, you know, franchises in Madden. Like I wouldn't even like play half the time. I'd be like, I'm to build a franchise, like simulate it. Did I make the playoffs? I always thought I was really enjoyed that process of building the team. And eventually when I kind of discovered what dynasty was, you know, in fantasy football, I was like, okay, like this is something that I could definitely like try to get into. So, you know, I think it was like back in like 2016, I mm. started writing. This was when I was still like working full a full time, a regular full time job, and I would write part time for a fantasy uh, for a website called Gridiron Experts, and that Gridiron is still around today. But they had a dynasty like startup, and I like jumped at the opportunity. I was like, oh man, like this is gonna be like so great. Uh, I definitely want to do. It. I think one of my first picks was. I think it was Michael Thomas. I think that's one of the first guys I drafted. Um, and I remember drafting Jordan Reed, like way too high. There you go. <laughs> uh, and same thing with, I think Carlos Hyde, just like, like, just like, and, and <laughs> it was a learning experience, like, cause it was totally different. I'd never been part of the game. Um, and I got hooked. Like, I was like, oh man, like I need to do more dynasty league. So then I kind of joined some random ones that started with people that I follow on Twitter. So now I'm still in a handful of them. One of them is a dynasty league that has like the duplicates. So there's oh, like yeah. three versions of every player. So I think that's a lot of fun because it gives you more trade partners. So mm -hmm. if you can't get, you know, X player from one guy, oh, well, you have like two other opportunities to get that player, which I think is really kind of a different way to play it. So, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed Dynasty. I like it's so much fun during the off season when you can make moves. And obviously rookie draft season is, is really fun as well. So those are the most fun parts. Um, but then obviously during the regular season, it, it does kind of take on a more of a redraft type of mindset where you're doing waivers every week to try to figure out if you can pick guys up. If there was anyone who's available on waivers, usually there's not. But sometimes people get dropped. You get the, oh, Tevin Coleman popped up. Let's pick him up. And then, oh, he sucks again. Like everyone drops him the next week. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that was just me. Um, yeah. No, but, not just uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like that's kind of my background. I'm still definitely more on the redraft side, but definitely during the off season, I'm listening to dynasty content. I, I'm trying to make trades and, and make moves. And yeah, it's definitely a fun way to stay engaged in fantasy, you know, all year long. No, I, I right there with you. I think my first league was my first dynasty league was uh, 2018. I want to say, and we did an auction draft, which is my first auction and dynasty. And I was just like, I'm way over my skis on this one. So I uh, I did the price enforcing thing and got AJ Green for way too much. I was like, he should go for way more than that. So that was a dumb idea and had to, and I tanked, I really did badly my first year, but then won it the second year, went worse to first. So, you know, turned it around. But that's that's the fun, I think, in Dynasty that, that you're kind of hitting on there is that it's, you have a lot more options. If you're, if you're done after week seven or week six, like we are here, if you're done in Dynasty and you're 0 and 6 heading into week seven, your league is not done. Your, your season may be over, but your league is not done. You can still win next year, two years, whatever. You can still build a team. And I love how you put it, like building a franchise in Madden. That's exactly what it reminded me of, too, where I was like, oh, I get to keep everybody and then sort of play it out and see how it goes and then not start over. That sounds great. Like, I, I love that. So I'm right there with you. And I think, too, with the way that uh, I know Fantasy Pros is great at this, but I know uh, with the Dynasty kind of being year-round, pivoting into redraft mode is tricky for some people. I know a lot of people in Dynasty kind of prefer the offseason or the non-point scoring season, as our buddy Russ Dynasty Outhouse would say, where it's like there is no offseason. You just keep going, and it's just the non-points time. 
And then you get into the point season and I, it's my least favorite. I'll be honest, like setting lineups and managing waivers week to week and like dealing with all the week to week, everything on top of everything that I'm doing. It's just like, I don't know. Give me, give me December, January when I can calm down on some of this again. You know what I mean? So, but no, we are here. Obviously week seven, it is time to go. If you're obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a fan of dynasty, you're a fan of fantasy football, football, things like that. There are some week six headlines that I want to touch on real quick in case you missed it. But I do think some of these are worth discussing as well. Um, Carson Wentz is out for a few weeks. Is Heineke worth starting in Superflex, Andrew? What do you think? Is he a one week, like a flyer? Should you buy him real quick or is this not worth it? I, I think that, you know, Heineke flashed at times last year. You know, he flashed the rushing. It was like, okay, like this guy's got, you know, he throws the ball downfield. Like he's got a little bit of Ryan Fitzpatrick in him. And, but then it kind of all just flamed out and it just ends mm-hmm. up being he's a back quarterback. That's not accurate. His deep ball is horrible. Like he oh, throws yeah. the deep ball a lot, but it's, it's God awful. And yeah. Yeah, I think that he's really just kind of falls into the the tier of a lot of these backup quarters that have, that have come just like come up. You know, Dalton, you know, he's not really been anything that you could really hang your hat on, you know, as a starter, even though he's been a starting quarterback. Like, it's just like they're just warm bodies. And, and most of the time they're not even going to outproduce like above average fantasy skill players in super flex formats. So it's like. Would you rather start Andy Dalton or Michael Pittman? It's like, I'm just going to start the better wide receiver. Like, none of these quarter, like, he's not enough where I need to move the needle for him to pick him up, like Cooper, like a Cooper Rush type of player, where right. I just don't think you're getting it. And in the matchup this week, specifically against Green Bay, I mean, both these teams, were, they play just so slow. They're like, yeah. we want the other team to lose first, is like kind of like the mindset <laughs> they're going in with. Yeah. So it just seems like it's going to be a slog of a game. Maybe if Heineke was playing a better offense that would, you know, really push the pace and be like, okay, like maybe we could see a little bit more, see him more off script. But I mean, if I'm Washington, what are they going to do? They're, they want to feed Brian Robinson. Like that's what they've been wanting to do all year long. Like that's right. all they can talk about is try to feed Brian Robinson. So I think that's what they're going to do with the back of quarterback under center. And unfortunately, it doesn't really leave a lot for Heineke to, you know, really produce. Well, and I'm right there with you. And I think there are some teams that I had last week where, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, during the week, I was kind of putting some lineups in just to see what I had going on. And by week started, of course. And I remember there was one league I, I had PJ Walker in my super flex oh. and it came to Sunday morning. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what? Yeah, like right. there's, no, there's no reason for that. It's a super flex. I can put another receiver in there. Like, what? So like, I think sometimes we get so stuck in, you know, quarterback upside and, and obviously PJ Walker has upside. He could have thrown four touchdowns to Christian McCaffrey. You never know. But odds are slim on that. Instead, he threw for negative one air yards. (laughs) Yes. And I think he had one of the worst weeks ever for fantasy. So I'm really glad I pulled him in that league, you know. Um, And there was another league where I'm tanking and I started him and I was happy for it. Right. That was like, great. I don't want the points. So, again, it it depends. Right. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. If you've got a guy like a Michael Pittman or even like a Terry McLaurin or something like that, that might be on that fringe of like, do we trust it this week with Taylor Heineke? I'd probably rather have this week. I'd probably rather have uh, Terry McLaurin than Taylor Heineke. I just think that. It's too risky. And you hit the nail on the head too with that. And that matchup's kind of brutal. Got a question here already though, from Tater Wolf listening in bench Curtis Samuel. And that's a great question. Curtis Samuel's been the wide receiver one there in Washington. Kind of. Are we benching Curtis Samuel? Andrew, what do you think? I look at it as, okay, so when I'm trying to bench a player, you know, can this come back to bite me? And just based on what Curtis Samuel was doing, you know, this season with Carson Wentz, like probably not like he's been the target leader on the offense every single week. So his targets are not going to increase with the new quarterback. Like right. at best, they're just going to stay the same. He'll lead the team in targets, but he's led the team in targets and the production has been kind of meh. Like it really yeah. hasn't been that great. It's been okay. He's giving you a floor every single week. That's fine. But now 
the floor is in question because you're putting a whole new, a different quarterback on your center. And last year, Heineke did target Terry McLaurin more often than he was targeted this season. So I'm not feeling great about starting Curtis Samuel. No, I'm not either. And I, I think there's a couple leagues where I'm starting him, but I don't feel great about it. You know, where I'm just like, man, this whole offense could be down this week. And I just, you know, obviously it always makes you a little nervous when you're starting a guy like that and where it's, you know, it kind of depends a lot on the quarterback. Appreciate the question there, Tater Wolf. We do have our first touchdown. I don't know if you saw Rashid yes. Shaheed. Well, I mean, Dude, who had that so on their fast. He is so fast. <laughs> I, I think he might have to be picked up in every dynasty league at this point. I mean, depending on the depth, but I know I saw a couple of people picking him up and I was like, man, I don't know. But the New Orleans offense is kind of looking for some spice and I Shahid could be the guy if Olave and Thomas are still out and Olave's in tonight, but Landry's out. But they've had a lot of interesting issues. But anyway, interesting twist there. Dalton gets a touchdown. Um, Next question that we had on the headlines was, Tua is going to return. Are we starting him immediately? I personally, I'll I'll start with this. I am starting Tua right back in my lineup. So I feel like he's had a couple of weeks off. I don't think the concussion is an issue anymore. Obviously, that's not something at all I can guarantee or know as as a watcher of the game. But I feel like if they're going to start him, I'm going to start him. Are you on that same page, Andrew, or do you disagree? No, I, I think that you should start Tua with confidence. I mean, it's a great matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers' defense has been horrible against the passing. They're either first or second in terms of passing yards allowed per game to quarterbacks. And, I mean, Tua just had, like, it seems like he's almost bulletproof with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, they're both top five. Tyreek Hill's first in yards per game. Jalen Waddle is fifth. Like, and two hasn't even played all the games with these guys. Right. And yet right. They're, they're just, just absolutely dominating in terms of getting yards after the catch. And I just don't see how the Steelers are going to contain them. I mean, the Dolphins don't even really try to run the football either. Like they're totally content with like throw the ball. That's what they've been doing with guys like Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. When they've been playing quarterback, they're like, all right, we're just going to keep throwing the ball to our playmakers and try to make the defense stop us. And defenses have had no answers for Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, the combination of that speed really has oh. just broken defense. It's a breaking spirits of defensive backs. It's just like, yeah. what do we do? Like, yeah. you can't do anything to stop these guys. So I think Tua is, is still a, I think he's a great player. I don't think he's just like a star. I think he's like, you feel great about playing Tua yeah. this week. No, I do too. And I think that's kind of the twist though, is that a lot of times, like we're talking about Carson Wentz being out and his replacement, that's very different than the starter coming back, right? And I think sometimes, too, there is, you know, overthinking it or getting too big brain and being like, well, are they going to really let him go, go full bore after his injury? Like just if they're starting him, I'm starting him. I'm not overthinking it. I think that it's you're exactly right, too. And the Dolphins just they, they want to throw the ball. They got Tyreek and Waddle, which is just really manhandling every defensive coverage there is so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm launching, too. I think he could be a top 10, if not higher quarterback this week after we're all said and done. Uh, last thing we'll talk about, which isn't really a headline, but I really wanted your opinion on this, but. How are we doing with bye weeks? They're pretty annoying, right? Like, what the heck are these bye weeks about? Like, what? I just, oh, man, we just started bye weeks. And I think next week, are there like four teams on bye? And then is it week eight that there aren't any? I feel like there's a week where there isn't any again. Like, we get a weird break. But I hate bye weeks. What is your stance on bye weeks, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will have to admit, as a content creator, they are a nice break in yes. the w- usual work week because you write about less games. Uh, I know yeah. Matthew Freeman told us not to talk about that, but I can't lie to the people that it is kind of nice. Like, oh, I only have to write up, you know, 13 games instead of 16. It's less et cetera, studying. Et cetera. Yeah, it is less studying. <laughs> and so I do appreciate that. But yeah, it's a pain. It's a pain in the butt when you're trying to roster your man. You know, you're like, I, but especially like this week, too, like Eagles players like. I mean, you could argue like the two best offenses, a lot of the great offenses, Vikings, Eagles, mm. uh, 
not really, but kind of Rams, uh, the Buffalo Bills. Like those are all yeah. on by, and you're like, there's some studs like, out you, today. You could have yeah. a, like a legitimately so stacked team of good offenses, and be like, well, week six it looks like I or uh, week seven I am not I'm not winning this week. <laughs> so whatever. I mean, maybe it's a week off. You just like whatever. I'm gonna start all these bench guys, start no one if I don't have to, and uh, just take the L and, and move on to week eight. Something I do like about bye weeks and dynasty is finding that team that's like four and three or three and three right now, right? Kind of in the middle that had Josh Allen go on a buy and be like, Hey, Taylor Heineke, you want to, you want a quarterback? I'll give you a quarterback <laughs> and try to sell them for a third. It's the most you're ever going to get for him. So I do kind of like that. And there are some variations when you're in leagues. I will agree with you too, as a content creator myself, it is nice to not have as many names, but sometimes it's like, man, I really wish I had someone on my bench. I could start here. Cause like I was saying before the show, there's one league I'm starting Michael Carter and Zamir White on my two running back slots. Like just all of my running backs are out. It's just not my week. So like I said, take the L. That's okay. Do my Everybody's dealing with it, right? There right, are teams I'm right. playing that are having the same problem. So I really can't hate it too much. Yeah. It just throws that wrench in the mix when we're already dealing with injuries. And I feel like we're already, this is week seven, but it feels like it should be week three. Like it just, this season is flying. Like we're almost halfway through, right? And with that as the pivot, I guess, we are at about the halfway point of most seasons. With this week, some leagues are still doing 13. Some have moved up to 14. Some are still, you know, Scott Fishbowl, I think, is 11 weeks for the regular season because there's so many teams. But I wanted to make sure we at least hit on this again because I think this is something that is almost an evergreen topic. But trade targets in Dynasty are something we always talk about. Waivers are pretty thin. So there really aren't a whole lot of options for picking up players off of waivers. At least it's starting. You might pick up some flash, you know, stash candidates, things like that. But I wanted to get into some players, at least, that we could talk about. Again, we always talk about trading. But what are players that you're actively trading for? Like, what is someone that you're looking to target right now as a halfway point? And does your team record matter or not? I think it kind of does. But what is your, like, number one trade target right now, Andrew? Do you have one? So it's funny because the the trade targets that you want in Dynasty are the players that are just buried right now in redraft. Um, the, those are the types of players I'm looking at. And, you know, the first guys that kind of come to mind, I'll say one at running back and one at receiver. So running back would be Antonio Gibson, um, yes. because he's buried right now. Like he's buried behind Ryan Robinson, JD McKissick, the team hates him. But I also know Antonio Gibson is been an RB one. The first two years of his career, he's athletic. He can catch pass. Like he has a three down skill set. Like it's all about the situation. Like you want to trade for good players that are in horrible situations that are being particularly heightened of how bad the situation is because that player is not scoring fantasy points for their manager, which is annoying yeah. them. Like getting into Antonio Gibson now is going to be much easier than it is, or that it would have been going into the season and when it will be after the season ends, like right now, because he literally cannot help you, but you know that when you trade for him, because you're not trading for Gibson because, Oh, he's going to be my linchpin to like drive me to a championship. <laughs> right. Like, no, like that's not why you're getting him. You're getting him because you think he'll be on a different team next year, or he has upside. If there's an injury to one of these other running positions or the fact that he's just good. And you're just hoping that the talent eventually wins out in some way, shape or form. So Antonio Gibson would be one of those guys at the running back position. And then maybe this is super obvious, but I mean, DJ Moore is the Great one pick, at yeah. wide receiver. Um, I mean, I thought it couldn't get worse. It, it did. <laughs> I, I mean, like, <laughs> it, it might still get worse. We don't know. Like, we, we might have uh, Sam Darnold in there at QB in a week or two. Like, is that better? I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is not. It is it's not great for DJ Moore right now. But I also know, dude. Like, hit look at his production. He's super young still, 
And he's just been an absolute baller, despite not having good quarterback play already in his entire NFL career. He's been excellent. So this year, it's not working out for him because eventually, you play with bad quarterback. You can only play with bad quarterbacks for so long and still produce until your luck kind of runs out. So that's kind of what we saw here. The time was kind of clicking on DJ Moore where, you know, you should never like, as much as we like to praise receivers, oh, like he's been getting it done with like all these horrible quarterbacks. Well, you know, it's not sustainable. Like it's not something you want to keep betting on. You want to bet on the connection of a good quarterback and a good receiver connecting. So DJ Moore, I don't know if he'll get traded. It's weird with the contract, but we see teams, we've seen players. I mean, Robbie Anderson, hey. He got his way out of Carolina. Clearly, there's a path. There's a, ma- there's, a, yeah. there's a method to the madness of, of getting out of certain places if you really want to. Now, DJ Moore doesn't really seem like that kind of guy, like a vocal player that's going to like force his way out like Robbie Anderson. But, you know, stranger things have happened. So, I'm, I would buy DJ Moore, though, as a productive player that he's been in his career. And, and that's that's these are the types of players I look for. So anyone that's really no. buried in redraft, like just look at redraft rankings. Like who, like outside the top forty wide receivers in week seven rankings, you find a good player. Like those yeah. are the players you should be looking for. Well, and, and again, brought up in the chat here is is Tater Wolf again with Eli Moore, fellow Moore, right? Elijah yep. Moore is supposedly requested a trade. There's no way the Jets trade him. That doesn't make any sense. I think it's all bluster to try to get the ball, but I think it works too. I think Elijah Moore is one of those players that has been very frustrating in Dynasty, putting up some close to goose eggs, and then I believe it was a solid goose egg last week, where it's like, man, if his if his manager is is riding high and and winning, it's it's in spite of Elijah Moore, and I think there's a chance that you could get him off of that roster for cheaper than you could have at the beginning of the season, like you mentioned before. So Elijah Moore, I think, is a good one for me too, just because of the the whole kerfuffle that he's causing and his team, right? And then in the same vein, Cam Akers. I think Cam Akers is a fine buy right now. Because whoever has Cam Akers probably came into the season with high hopes, and they're probably not going to give them away for pennies, but they might give them away for nickels, and that's fine with me. Like there's still you don't have to pay bare bottom base when he's not going to get cut. I would be shocked if a dynasty manager is cutting Cam Akers. But I do think wherever Cam goes, and it's not an if but a when ever Cam goes, he will play harder than he's ever played. And I think right now we're seeing the Cardinals as a team that could really use a running back. Now, obviously, the Rams are not going to trade Cam Akers to an in-division you know, d- opponent like the Cardinals, but there's a whole bunch of teams that need running back help or will need running back help as injuries start to pile up and things like that. So I think Cam Akers is still going to play somewhere this year. I don't know where. Um, you know, we're one injury away to somebody, and I don't want to put that you know juju out in the world. So I'm not going to say any words, but not going to say any names. But like, there is definitely going to be something that happens that causes an opening for a guy like Cam Akers. So something like that is a different but similar to Elijah Moore, where it's like, I don't think Elijah gets traded. I think Cam does, and I think that really helps his value. Uh, are you on the same page with Cam, I guess? I know Cam Akers is kind of a polarizing topic. Where do you stand with that? No, I, I agree. I, I mean, it's really hard to kind of envision where he would go, where it'd potentially be worse. I mean, like his, it's not like he's been playing well on the Rams anyway. So if he goes True. to another team and doesn't play well again, it's like, okay, well, so his value is now the same. Like it, it didn't, didn't really change. And, you know, maybe another off season where he gets healthier. I mean, clearly there's just something going on with him, whether it's off the field, whether it's just his like attitude with the Rams, like he just clearly the guy needs a fresh start somewhere. Um, that's not in Los Angeles. I don't know what the deal is, what the issue is. Maybe we'll learn more about the situation, but I also know that like the team does not want to start Daryl Henderson. Like, like, no. cause, cause the fact of the matter is if this was always going on behind the scenes with Cam Akers, and they were still playing him over Daryl Henderson. Like they must hate they dude, they hate Daryl Henderson. They never want to feature him ever. 
And even last week when he got the start, it was way different than in week one. Um, they mm-hmm. were featuring like Malcolm Brown. I mean, they had some dude I'd never heard of in my entire life, Ronnie Rivers, or yes. something like like in yes. the back room, like <laughs> literally never heard of this player in my entire life. Wow. Who is this guy? And he's on the field because Daryl Henderson's their best running back for right now. So if I had Daryl Henderson, I'd be trying to ship him off ASAP well, to anyone that thinks that he's the RB one for the season or whatever, because that's that's not going to happen. Well, I was just going to say, like, who is someone you're trying to get rid of? And I think Henderson's a prime candidate for that exact reason. And I think Cam Akers really pissed off somebody at the Rams organization. But what did Henderson do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're keeping him and not playing him. (laughs) You know, it just, that whole offense confuses me right now. They should be good, but my goodness, they are not good. The Rams are terrible. Uh, Another another player I think I would be targeting in a trade and, like, to receive would be T. Higgins. And obviously, he had a pretty good game this week, so you might not be able to get the discount on him anymore. But he had the ankle injury. He had some, you know, two weeks where he was like below five PPR points, which is pretty brutal for a guy like that. And we actually have a question in the chat, which we'll, we'll bring up because it's talking about a lot of these guys. But a one QB trade, half PPR, DJ Moore and a mid 23 first or T Higgins. Which one you got there, Andrew? It's a toughie. DJ Moore and a mid 23 first or T Higgins. So well, here, I'll it? start while you think then. So, so DJ so Moore and a first. Oh, DJ Moore and a first. Okay, I was like, I was or like, DJ Moore. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's Higgins for DJ Moore and a first. I think it depends on my team here. If I'm contending, I want Higgins because even if it's right. not my first, if it is my first, and you're in the middle anyway, I think you gotta go. You gotta go in. I think T Higgins is the way to go. And just because of all the questions with DJ Moore, but that's a lot. That's a high price to get rid of Higgins. And if I'm rebuilding, I'm probably taking that side because there's a lot of risk with DJ Moore and 23 first. We say on the show all the time, they're gold. I mean, man, you can get some crazy yeah. things for 23 first, even a mid one. So that's where I'm at. Is it if I'm contending, it's T, and if I'm rebuilding, it's the other side. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I, I concur and I agree with you there. And, and I think that's the other thing about dynasty that's so much better about re- than redraft is there are it's so much easier to get win-win trades because everyone yes. is trying to fleece the other player in trades and redraft. It's like did I did I win this trade? It's just like no, yeah. like that's not the point. Like the point yeah. is like how can we have a meeting of the minds to both get both teams better, but nobody goes on trades. Like everyone's just trying to fleece the other one, which is why trade has such a toxic culture around it. And it's like, Oh, like these trades suck. Like, like they're just giving me the, these garbage players. And it's like, yeah, because that's what people are just trying to win their trades. People aren't actually trying to work together. Whereas in dynasty, because people have different goals, it makes it way easier to have trades that benefit both parties. So I think that you hit the nail on the head talking about if you're rebuilding versus if you're a contender, like right now, if you're, you're a contender, you don't want DJ Moore on your team. No. Like, but you could see in two years, you know, T Higgins, you know, will he sign long-term with the Bengals? Like, we'll see. I mean, they have Jamar chase there for the long term. Um, they're definitely not going to let him walk. I no. can't imagine with Joe Burrow there, but Higgins, if Higgins like, Hey, I want to get wide receiver one money. Will the Bengals have enough to pay Higgins more than Jamar chase? Like, like, will that end up happening? Uh, I don't know. And DJ Moore, how long is he going to be in Carolina? What is it going to take for Carolina to get a quarterback? I mean, they're going to be in the quarterback market this offseason too. Like, will they land a veteran? Will they draft somebody? Who knows? But things can change really quickly. Um, but I do think that Moore and Higgins are both, you know, they're both talented guys. So well, I think ultimately, the- well, ultimately, you bet on talent when it comes to receiver. An opportunity will become apparent, right? With, with, in my opinion, and it's oversimplified, but with receivers, I bet on talent. With running backs, I bet on opportunity. Because with running backs, you don't necessarily need to have crazy opportunity. And we've seen some very talented running backs not get opportunity. Happens all the yep. time. 
I mean, Cam Akers is actually kind of an example of that. And heck, even Daryl Henderson could be considered an example of that. Pretty good running back, just not getting the opportunity because coaches are weird. But with, with receivers, because you're starting two, three, or four of them in a, you know, depending on the play, they're going to get on the field. It, it's much easier for the opportunity side. And then talent wins out. So, yeah, I, I like T. Higgins a lot. Obviously, I'm a Bengals fan, unabashed. It's, it's my guy. But I do think that T. Higgins is one of those guys you can still get right now for a little cheaper, maybe, than you could have, uh, you know, six months ago in Dynasty. And, and again, to, to bring a point to it also, redraft trades are really tough. And I've been in a redraft league for 20 years, and it's always about winning the trade. And it, it's somebody always ends up getting, you know, kind of feeling a little bit like the loser. And then it kind of causes trades to slow down. Once that happens, the whole rest of the league is like, well, I don't want to be looked at like I lost the trade or like I don't want to get disrespected or whatever. So it just it, it gets tough. And I think with uh, a lot of the leagues out there now and with everybody on Twitter, like you said, everybody's like, did I win the trade? It's like, no. I don't know. Like, and then I get people, I'm sure you get it too. I get people tagging me and stuff or, you know, sending me DMS that are like, should I make this trade? And my first thing is always add more context. Give me more info. I can't tell you in a vacuum. That makes no sense. Give me more info on your team, which we'll get into later with find me a trade. But the point of it is you can't just say like, well, yeah, you won the trade because of this. There's no way to know that is your team rebuilding. Then you did a bad thing, sending away a first. What do you, you didn't win the trade. That was a bad move. If you're rebuilding, you know, like all that context comes into play. And uh, we talk about that a lot on the show. Trades are a big thing. And timing, as I always say, timing is everything, right? So there is one uh, last question before we hit into listener league updates. And it's from our friend Joe Pisapia. He said, what is Joe Pisapia really like to work with? And I'm curious if you know the answer to that. I mean, he's he's just like he sounds like on the podcast. He is energetic, upbeat, optimistic, and just a fun, fun guy to be around. Like, absolutely love Joe brings a lot of energy not as much energy as i do to the podcast but he brings the energy well you are big pot energy that's right. <laughs> i am big pot energy so that's how it goes uh, clearly i have to bring the majority <laughs> of energy but joe uh, joe is just he's a he's a great co-worker and a great friend and uh, i couldn't i couldn't on I, could, I couldn't be i couldn't feel better about who i get to work with on a day-to-day yeah. basis than a guy like joe pcpn and all the staff at fantasy pros whether it's Debro, pat fitzmorris friedman um all those guys just having a great time with them yeah it's a great team we've had joe on a couple of times and, and spoiler alert we'll have him back on in november here sometime real soon so we'll get to talk to joe and ask him the same question about you and i'm sure he'll say you have a ton of energy i love andrew i love my uh my long lost son is what he'll probably say something <laughs> along the lines of He's consistently consistent, that guy. Gotta love him. All right, so we're going to pivot into our next segment here. And this is just a brief one that we do. I like updating it because I think it's it's kind of fun. We have some listener leagues that we're in. Uh, the hosts are on some teams. We've got Dynasty Junkies 1 and 2. So real quickly here, Dynasty Junkies 1, we had doubleheaders this week, which was always fun when you get doubleheaders. Rocky and I won against God Hates Jags and Jerry Shea. Uh, both of those guys put up a fight, but nope, nope, couldn't take us down. We ended up having the high score. It was pretty awesome. Scott won in a close one with Funky Bunch, but lost against Mikey McHugh, which again, I love when doubleheaders and you're like, well, I'm in the middle. I won and lost. All right. That's like a draw in soccer. You are like, oh, it's kind of good, but not great. But for our high score, we had Lamar and Brees, but pretty much a balanced team this week with everybody scoring over 10 points. I love when that happens, but it just all the cards fall into place, which means this week we'll probably get low score because that's how it goes. Uh, but Rocky and I are now 9-0 and with some of the doubleheaders we've had now. Uh, Gators Bitches is second at seven and two. Funky Bunch in third at five and four due to points. There's a bunch of teams there in the middle. So it's a very balanced league. It's a lot of fun, and I'm really glad that we're in it. Dynasty Junkies 2, the second league that we started this year, both host teams lost. So me and Bobby lost, which is pretty normal for our team. We're not doing great this year. (laughs) And then uh, Rocky and Scott lost as well. Find me a team name, which is uh, run by Steve Munger at the high score. 
led by Josh Allen, Brandon Ayuk, and Mike Gusecki, which was terrific. But he also started Madison, who had 0.3 points, and Noah Brown, who got two, and still got high points. That's how much Lamar Jackson, or sorry, Josh Allen, is really wrecking dynasty teams right now. And I know in DJ1, we won with Lamar. I mean, like those quarterbacks are just studs. So love giving the updates on the Listener League. If you guys want to get in one, pay attention. We might be starting a third one in the next five to ten years. Hard to say. But <laughs> we're all in a lot of leagues. I know Rocky's in a ton of leagues, so that's all kind of fun. Um, but yeah, so feel free to keep paying attention. We might be joining another one here. And if you want to join in, obviously you got to listen to get in there. So next we're going to pivot to our find me a trade segment. And I got to be honest, this is my favorite thing that we do. Uh, I think it's very unique. I think it's very different. There's a lot of podcasts out there like we do too. We talked about trades for five, 10 minutes there already, but let's go find a trade. Let's go actually find a trade that matters in, in this league. So it's submitted by Dan Turner at Eagle Dan FF. It's a flea flicker league. Uh, the name of the league is Super Smash Dynasty League, and his team is the Slim Reapers. Uh, it's a 12-team, 1QB, PPR, no tight end premium, which, again, is kind of like a lot of home leagues out there. I feel like most home leagues are still kind of in that 1QB world, trying to get to Superflex, but not quite. And then no tight end premium, because that's really more of like an advanced thing that a lot of us do when we get kind of addicted and hooked. So this is a little bit more of like your standard league, maybe, with still being PPR, thank goodness. But it is one QB, two running backs, two receivers, tight end, three flex, a kicker, and a defense. Before we go any further, Andrew, what are your thoughts on kickers and defenses in Dynasty? Are you pro or con? You find the love? What do you think? I'm, I'm pretty mixed. I mean, I think that it's like if you have Justin Tucker, you're probably like, yeah, I love kickers in Dynasty. Right. <laughs> right. Like you're probably like, this is the best. Um, keep I, it, I actually yeah. I, I prefer the... Um, IDP actually for mm. for Dynasty in terms of defensive players, I think that's a little bit more intriguing because um, you actually can do more research with rookies and you can actually like oh like aid the drafted Aiden Hutchinson like who is that guy like oh okay like this is someone I can actually use in in Dynasty. So I think that it helps expand the rookie class a little bit more and keep it keeps defensive players more relevant so i like that aspect of it kickers i could do either or i i don't really care like i'm never going to prioritize them unless i have a guy like justin tucker and basically i would just drop someone and pick someone else up every single week to just kind of stream the position even in a um even in a dynasty format well i know linda out there lindellians obviously on twitter is a big kicker proponent i like kicker and redraft but i don't like it in dynasty because you you don't have there's no trades like kickers, you're either yeah. streaming or you have Tucker. And it's just like, you know, I, I hated <laughs> having a kicker in Dynasty because I had like one on my roster and I was like, what am I doing? Like, why do I even have this one? Like, this doesn't make any sense. But we have done some IDP leagues before for Find Me a Trade and they are significantly harder. And we are not IDP experts. So I always tell people, like, take my IDP advice with a big grain of salt because I'm doing the best I can. But I, it's just not the format for me. I love that it exists and I want it to get bigger. It's just not one that I find entertaining. But again, everybody has their thing. If you like defense, man, IDP is by far the way to go. So back to Dan's team here. So he get, he sent his team in. He said he's a contender, but just at the cusp and can't get over the hump. I kind of see why. Let's go through his roster and kind of talk about this. Because I think he's got some, well, he's got some interesting pieces. Again, remember, one QB. So you don't need to be stacked at quarterback. But he's got Davis Mills, Zach Wilson, and the aforementioned Taylor Heineke. I mean, Okay, in Dynasty, I don't hate it. You know, Davis Mills is probably your starter. If you're if you're a fan of Zach Wilson, maybe you start him, but I'd probably go Mills. Uh, running back, he's got Damian Pierce, which, again, huge rookie out of nowhere. Kenneth Walker blowing up. Eno Benjamin is playing tonight. I guess that's something. Deion Jackson dominated last week. Kenneth Gainwell, uh, Deonta Foreman, Keonta Ingram, again, playing tonight. Got to love it. Uh, Jerome Ford, who is on IR. 
And I think that's it for running back. Yeah, that's pretty solid, though. I don't mind that running back group. Uh, receiver, he's no, got Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, uh, Alec Pierce, Devonta Smith, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Braxton Berrios, Deami Brown, Khalil Shakir, Quez Watkins, K.J. Hamler, Kyle Phillips, and Jamison Williams, along with Bo Melton. But, like, what a receiver group. Like, there, there are a ton of good names in here. I think he's got, I don't know, six, maybe seven startable receivers if you consider – uh, Deami Brown, a receiver, you would start. And obviously, Jamison on IR coming off that. So tight, tight, tight wide receiver group. Like that a lot. And then at tight end, he's got Zach Ertz, Cole Komet, uh, Jake Ferguson, Isaiah Likely, and then kickers and defenses I won't bother getting into. But if you want to hear more, you can. But the point is, Zach Ertz, tight end, Cole Komet at tight end. Not bad at tight end there, right? So I, I just real quick, what was your first thought when you saw this team, Andrew? Do you think he's he is a contender? Do you think he's right? I mean, I feel good that he has like these staples at run at with these young running backs. Like it's one of these things where it's like you just play them, you don't worry about anything else, and you just load up your receivers at flex. Like I think that's really like the winning formula is you get like yeah. two running backs that you just start every week. You don't that's all you do. And then you just load up with, with flex wide receivers because we're at wide receivers, we see this all the time. Like random guys just blow up random weeks because yeah. that's just how the position is. But the fact that you're starting so many of them, you're going to catch those spike. The spiked weeks will make up for the ones that dud out. And they're just, you want to start more of them for that exact reason. If you don't have a running back that you are confident about their workload, about them being a bell cow, then you need the upside with the wide receivers. So the fact that he has Pittman, Higgins, and then you have, I, I kind of like too, like how he's almost stacked his receivers. Um, yes. on the same team, which I think is such a Buffalo savvy move yep. in Dynasty because when, you know, when Gabe Davis misses a week, oh, oh, I can just play Khalil Shakir. Like, I can just kind of throw him in there yep. as a, you know, a beneficial piece, and I'm not screwed now at my wide receiver spot. Like, no, is Shakir going to put up the production necessarily Gabriel Davis would put up? Not necessarily, but you have that opportunity now to have someone that you can fill in. I think that's just a smart move to make. And he does it with a lot of his different players. He has Isaiah McKenzie as well. And then he's got two about, Arizona backs. Like I talked Arizona about like guys. Yeah. I think that's super smart um, that he's stacking up his players that way. Well, speaking of stacking, I think there, there are a couple of things that I want to bring up here. Obviously bye weeks can be tough because now you've got a bunch of players on bye at the same time, but as long as you're doing two receivers and not three and things like that, that's probably manageable, especially when you only have to start five, right? Play it careful there. But also, what are your thoughts on stacking receivers with quarterbacks in one QB dynasty? Is that something you like to do, or is that more of a – I know it's a DFS play, and I know a lot of best ball teams, obviously, your stacking is huge for best ball. But what do you think about it in dynasty? Are you a fan of stacking quarterback and receiver or quarterback and running back even in some of those catching ones? I think so. I think it just makes sense to stack from the perspective of you're just betting on this offense being effective right. and they're betting on this offense being good. I know that I think we used to think that – Oh no, I don't want to start too many Bengals receivers because, you know, if T Higgins doesn't do well or if he does well then Jabbar Chase won't do well and vice versa. But what we've kind of found with more of the you know, the data that we researched is that no, like when the offense cooks, like mm -hmm. everyone eats. Like it more cooks. than ever once because the reverse is so the same. When an offense craters, everybody sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. and that is something that we're all aware of, but we don't necessarily buy into it as much as like, oh, well, only one receiver can eat this week. It's like, no, not necessarily, because if this offense is working and passing effectively, then chances are both players are are producing. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, okay, this guy is putting his 100th percentile outcome, you know, the other guy's hitting his 70th percentile, 80th percentile outcome. 
but that's still really good. Like that's still part of it. Yeah. So when people always ask me like, oh, should I trade away Joe Mixon because I have Jamar Chase or should I trade away T Higgins because I have Joe Mixon? Like, like, no, like that would be a good thing to have guys on the Bengals offense. That looks like it's starting to click right now versus, yeah. oh, should I like have all these like Panthers players or have all these Packers players? Like, I was just going to say I mean, it only stack, if the good stacks. <laughs> like <laughs> if you stack the Packers, you're like, this sucks because it's offense. <laughs> can't support more than one guy every week and every week is oh this week it was Lazard okay last week it was Tanyan so yes like in those offenses yeah you don't want to have too many pieces of them because Wait, you're saying my PJ Walker Ian Thomas stack is a bad idea <laughs> like what have I done oh no it's <laughs> not gonna work out in the long term but yeah. I, I that's yeah I, I'm not afraid to go into stacking and I think that you are you're doubling down on you believe in your guys and that's I think that's important uh when you're building a roster Totally agree. And I know I did that really heavy in Scott Fishbowl this year. I was like, you know, I want to try something because again, Scott Fishbowl, for those that may not be familiar, I guess, is a, you know, 3000 team league. Uh, it's what, like 150, 12 team leagues or something crazy like that. Now it's, it's just, it's a monster in its own right. But the way you win that from what I've understood is you got to be different. It's like a, a massive GPP, you know, best ball kind of tournament. Like you have to do something very different. And so what I did is I stacked Bengals and Lions. I'm like, I'm going to go hard on the Bengals, which is a good offense, and then try to get some Lions, which could be a good offense, and started out hot and kind of cooled. But the point being, like, I like stacking in a league in a format like that where you've got to differentiate yourself. And I think in general, I don't have a problem at all with stacking in Dynasty. I know there are some people that think, you know, no, you want to spread it around. But no, I I would much rather have all the good players. And if they're on the same team, okay, why is that a problem? I'm right there with you. So. As a just so we're kind of getting back to Dan's team here, I do think his team is a contender, but I think he's got a little bit. There's a couple of weak spots. I'm not sure. I'll start with my trade. I'm not sure if my trade really addresses the weak spots that much, but I'm trying. I'm targeting three players in this trade that are kind of down or lower to try to find some spike in coming up. Like maybe in the second half of the season, these these players get better. But I would look at sending my own 23 first, assuming that Dan has it, because again, I don't know that in Fleet Flicker, I can't see where that is. But my own 23 first in Jamison Williams for Kittle, Zeke, and Allen Robinson. And the logic I'm going for here is Kittle is one of those guys that is, is really getting no love right now. Uh, he's one of those players that is just kind of hit or miss. Zeke, everybody hates Zeke. Everybody's done with Elliot. They all think he's toast and done and all this. He still gets a lot of opportunity and carries. And then Allen Robinson, up until last week, had been missing and been on milk cartons for weeks. Like, where the hell was Allen Robinson? So, I think you're you're kind of you're very attractive to the team here, which again the team name is Tan Turners, which could be Dan Turner, and maybe that's what he's going for. But uh, I like the team name there. But again, a 23 first, assuming it's a late 23 first, and Jamison Williams, I'm thinking you might even be able to get a little more than that. I guess what are your thoughts on this trade, Andrew? My way off, or is that something you would send? No, I think that it makes sense from what you're trying to get out of the deal in terms of I need a little bit more. Win now, right? This is like a win now trade. I want something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're getting obviously a lot of older players in the deal, but you're getting guys that should theoretically produce like the minute that they're on your roster. I mean, Zeke is playing the Lions this week. Yeah. Like like this could literally be like his best, like last game of his entire career. (laughs) Like this could really be it. This could be the swan song for Ezekiel Elliott week seven, 2022 against the Detroit Lions. So, I mean, if you could trade for him low now and he scores 30 points, it's like, Honestly, it was worth it. Like, yeah. like to go get him um, before he, you know, he has a good game here in a, in a great matchup. So, yeah, I think that that makes uh, a ton of sense. Um, it, and it, I mean, I love Jameson Williams. Um, 
obviously it's a tough guy to give up, but you have to obviously give up something of value to get something back of value. Yeah. And if you really are, I mean, cause we talked about it at the beginning, you know, we like the transactions of dynasty, but ultimately the goal of dynasty is still to win. So yes, I, I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of, okay, well, what about the future? It's like, okay, but you know, what's even better than like the future is like the now winning. and like winning yeah. a championship <laughs> like now, like yeah. you have to win eventually. So I think if you have that opening, I think it's worth going for it, even if you're maybe sacrificing a little bit of your your long-term outlook. Yeah, and I, I have a feeling if I put this on Twitter, I would get blown up, be like, what are you doing setting a 23 first for those crap players? Because that's all Twitter is. It's just an echo chamber of what everybody thinks <laughs> is the right thing to say. But my thought, too, is Jameson Williams is has a, a huge variance on his on his name. Amon Ross St. Brown has pretty much discovered himself and said, oh, I'm the number one. I, I think he's going to be the number one. He's like top five receiver in Dynasty now out of nowhere, which is crazy. Uh, I'm not sure that it, it, that he's worth that. But I don't know if Jamison Williams is going to come out of the gate hot or not. There's a very high likelihood that he comes out struggling. He's coming back from injury. He's been on IR, right? He, he's, he's a stud, don't get me wrong, but he's got a low floor. And I think sometimes people get really uh, kind of uh, – sticker shock with that high ceiling and they forget about the low floor. I mean, everybody has a floor. Every player that you Kittle has a low floor. Zeke has a low floor. Like the, everybody does. Allen Robinson, we've seen it. Right. But I think a lot of times people forget that even a 23 first, whatever that becomes has a low floor. The only difference is the 23 first isn't going to show that floor for at least a year. Mm-hmm. Right. What, even if you don't pick it, let's say you hold on to it and trade it at the draft. That's fine. You're still accruing value. Right. So that's the reason I think a lot of people don't like giving up the 23 first. That's why they want it, because it's a solid, safe asset. It's something you can put under your pillow at night and feels calm and guaranteed. Right. You know, that's what Tommy Boy always said. And it's very true. Like, this is the guarantee. This is what you're looking for. But how many times have we seen studs not be studs? I mean, Nikhil Harry, anyone? I bring it up all the time. Like, that guy was supposed to be the best. He's on waivers now. It's only been two, three years. Like, what the heck happened there? Because he just didn't produce. He just didn't perform. So as much as I want Jameson Williams to be the guy, and as much as that 23 first could be gold, they could both be duds. And I'd much rather get the players I can trust a little bit more and actually win a title. And the other thing, too, is this Tan Derners team has Kyle Pitts at tight end. He doesn't need George Kittle, so he might be willing to let Kittle go for less, right? And like I said before, with Allen Robinson, I almost guarantee he's willing to get rid of Allen Robinson. I don't think anybody's worried about that. When it comes to Zeke, he's a little bit light at running back. But if, if I'm this team, I might be looking at, let's just pivot, and I don't want running backs. If I'm rebuilding, running back is the least of my concerns. I do not want a running back on a rebuilding team. Get rid of all of them. There's no point. They're just going to get hurt, or they're going to decrease in value. They're like a brand-new car. As soon as you drive it off a lot, it depreciates. Don't want them. I'd rather start Boston Scott and Keontae Ingram on a rebuilding team, right? Like Zamir White. Like I said, like, why not? I don't want to risk it. So I think there's a chance it happens, but I think it might still be a little bit much. But that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but let's pivot into yours, and then we'll get into Scott's, even though he's not here. I want to read his because he's got some options here. But what was your trade, Andrew? Yeah, so I was kind of looking back at you know how his team was stacking wide receivers and the fact that he has Jameson Williams. And I was like, okay, <laughs> is there any way we can now try to double down on this this alliance thing here? So here I'm, I'm proposing to package away. So Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Devonta Smith, for some running backs that I think are undervalued right now, but were both RB1s last year in Cordero Patterson and James Robinson. So both guys are kind of um, – Patterson's obviously hurt right now, and he's an older running back. Like, people don't view him very highly, but if you guys have watched the Atlanta Falcons play football this year, they can literally run the ball on anybody. And, and when Patterson was healthy, he was running the ball literally over everybody. So 
I think that he'll be effective when he comes back. I don't know if he'll be a bell cow, but he's going to be someone you can start at running back and feel pretty good about it. Because we talked about earlier, I like his two running backs he has, but he doesn't really have a ton of depth. And running backs, running backs get hurt. And oh, yeah. So what do you what do you do in that situation? It's like okay, like you got to make sure that you have some guy that you can start that when they do get their opportunity that they can deliver. And both Patterson and James Robinson, who the first three weeks of the season was an RB one, like he was smashing yeah. again. It was like oh my god, he's back. But now it's like James Robinson, especially like he's never going to be expensive in dynasty because he's never had, he's never been expensive. Floor is so like, low. Like he's, like he's got a zero floor. Yeah. 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 So he's not someone I think it's hard to acquire either because you know, everyone wants ETN. I, I get that. I understand that. But James Robinson is not necessarily going away. Like he's, he's been a productive running back his first two years and he's productive to start the year. So I think that those are two running backs. He can feel good about getting low. Um, Amara St. Brown is obviously someone that's highly regarded in the dynasty oh, yeah. community. Um, and I mean, I just, he's, he's a star, like he's been productive in every single game he's played dating back to last year up until he had that ankle injury. And, and basically ever since then, it's like, he's, I think that right now is a good, perfect time to buy, try to go and get him. So I think that stacking him with Jameson Williams, if you get this lions receiving core to kind of turn into something great. Okay. Now we're cooking. And I didn't even realize this either, but. The team that also has a Montgomery St. Brown has Jared Goff, too. So mm. if you could end up doing a deal where you get the quarterback, so you're going back to not just... Like, we talk about the Lions, like, they're a team that you can stack on offense because yeah. they were and the cheaply. number one scoring... Yeah, they were the number one scoring offense before they played the Patriots, and they didn't have a lot of their weapons, so they didn't score any points in that game. But this offense is going to have to put up points because their defense sucks. Like, it is yeah. so, so horrible. And, and Goff has shown that when he has weapons around him, he can do enough behind a really strong offensive line that he can deliver splash weeks. So if you have Amara St. Brown, you have Jared Goff, and then we talked about James Williams, let's say he does fire when he comes back from this injury. You have him as your final chess piece that you can then knock out in a championship when he goes up for 30 points in a, in a massive game You know, in the Lions playoff schedule. So okay. that's the way I kind of view it. And I also added in... Um, so Devonta Smith was the other piece, like a obviously a first round pick. He has a lot of dynasty value to him. He's been productive this year, um, and he kind of fits the bold as a wide receiver that you want to have. And then Nico Collins is just like another throw in piece. Maybe not Nico Collins; it is Jared Goff instead. But I kind of like Nico Collins just from a fact that Brandon Cooks might get traded. Um, that's kind of been a rumor I've been hearing. Nico Collins has second round pick, big body wide receiver. Not not crazy about Davis Mills, but who's on this guy's roster? Davis Mills. There you go. Bram, you're just stacking them up. I like it, Andrew. Well played. I think you're on the right track here. I think this is the kind of trade too. You're you're almost selling Gabe Davis high here. I think yeah, there's a lot I, of people I think, that I think love that's Gabe Davis. what you kind of have to do with Gabe Davis in Dynasty because look, I I like Davis Gabe Davis a lot, and but I'll be the first to admit, like the fact that he's still not like getting targets, like that matters to me, and the fact yeah. that Shakir came in in his first game and like out targeted Gabriel Davis was like kind of eye-opening it was like wow like okay and this kid and this guy has and there's a reason why i didn't trade shakir in this deal there's right. a reason why i wanted to keep shakir and trade davis and isaiah mckenzie away um for that exact reason because i just think that gabe davis i think that i love him to death like big play upside but if someone's going to value him so highly that he's going to be this like next superstar i don't think that's his in his range of out i just don't think that's him because he would have shown that he could get targets at some point, and he still hasn't done it yet. And that's not to say that he's really being productive because of Josh Allen. Like, yep. I, I don't think that's too far-fetched of thinking that. If he was on another team, we would not view him 
in the similar light at all. And I don't know what's going to happen when he hits free agency. Or if he's going to be one of those receivers that goes to a different team and you just see him get, you know, the production just crater because, oh, yeah. well, Josh Allen's not his quarterback anymore. So, like, why didn't we see this? Why didn't we see this coming? So, right. yeah, I think Gabriel Davis in Dynasty is a guy that I would want to try to sell high on um, just because the, the lack of target, you know, that he's not commanding, I think, is, is something you shouldn't ignore. Well, and to even piggyback on that further, I mean, he is literally one game away from being a sell low because if he gets one catch for six yards, the sky is falling and everybody's out. I mean, his floor is so low. We've seen it too. Like he's had really bad weeks, but then he shows up with three touchdowns out of nowhere. And And that's going to, I don't, I don't want that on my dynasty team. That stresses me out. I don't want the high floor, low ceiling guy. I mean, I sorry. I do want the high floor, low ceiling. I don't want the variance. That can be yes, I get it. That can be fun, and you can win weeks on that. But I think that wins you weeks, not titles, right? When you get to the playoffs, you need consistency more than anything else. And I think I, I would, I'm stressed out. The one league I have Gabe Davis, and I'm stressed out every week. I click that box. I'm like, God, you better show up for me again this week. And then when he doesn't, the rest of my team better show up because he could really tank, right? I think too the interesting twist that I don't know if you caught this either, but the the team you're talking about there is Dan Moyne's debutants is stacking Ravens big time. He's got Lamar Jackson, uh, J.K. Dobbins, Rashad Bateman, and Justin Tucker. So, like, this is a solid Ravens stack. And I don't think he would mind at all losing any of these guys because none of them are Ravens. And I think also he's got Jamar Chase at receiver. Like, he wouldn't mind giving up Amon Ra. I I feel like there's a very high likelihood that this trade could get done only because Gabe Davis's name is so crazy right now. Right? Like, and it just, it feels so good to get that done. I think you could easily throw in, like, you could add Davis... I can probably keep Davis Mills for the stack with Nico, but let's say you give Davis Mills and replace Nico with Jared Goff, right? So he's getting the Davis Mills, Nico Collins stack, and you're getting the Goff on Ross. Like, there's some options there. I think that's a, it's a good target. And again, when looking at these teams, that one stood out to me. I was like, that is probably the number one team in the league. His weak spot is tight end, but he's got Tanya and Thomas and, and that's all you need. Really? He OJ Howard, but like, I'm not worried about that, but still, like, I think that's, that's a team that's contending. With that, I want to pivot into Scott's trade because he brings up something that I, I haven't discussed much in this segment, and I feel like this is a good point to bring up. Um, Dan mentions his team is contending. Scott disagrees heavily. In his write-up here on the show, she just says, barely in the playoffs as of now and sixth in points, averaging over 25 points per week less than the top team. That's a big difference. He says, I don't see this team as a contender at all. Are you competing because it's basically an eight-horse race for six spots? Like, is that all? And I think he's got a fair point here. This is a competing team, not a contending team. I think there is a difference in those terms. However, if Dan thinks his team is contending, I'm willing to go and say, okay, if you believe your team is contending, then this is the move I would make based on that. Scott's move is a little bit different, though. He said, okay, you might not be contending. Maybe you're competing. But even then, I'm not sure. So his trade is to send Zach Wilson, Damian Pierce, and either Shakir or McKenzie, which I like the or there, kind of whichever one they want, to bang, bang, bang for Brady and D-Hop. And he says, or you can add a second for Cook instead of D-Hop. And I think this is where I, I'm not sure I like this trade, but I like his thought process. You're, you're trading high on Pierce is what you're doing here. You're sending Damian Pierce thinking, I want out of the Pierce business. I don't think it's real. I think it's fool's gold. I mentioned this on Twitter myself. Like, I would love to trust Damian Pierce, but that team didn't trust him. They didn't draft him with a high draft pick. They could very easily get Bijan Robinson this year and Pierce is trash. You know what I mean? Like, we, we just don't know. And I think with this trade, you're getting D-Hop and Brady, who are both risky pieces. I don't personally like the trade, but I like the process. I guess, what are your thoughts on this one, Erickson? Is this something where you, you could see this happening? Or are you, do you agree with the contending versus competing kind of contest, conversation there? What do you think? 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with the, the contending versus competing. I mean, it's, it's, I think that's like a thing you have to have, like a solid look in the mirror with a lot of your dynasty teams, especially if the, like, this is like a good time to do it. It's like, yes, be honest with yourself. I mean, like, look at team, like, all right, like, like, do I really need, like, do I need 10 things to break my way for this team to like make a run? Then, then just the time is to, to cut loose and to trade away assets and to right. look to next year. Because yep. not only will it just give you like a peace of mind because you don't care how the team is doing because you're not trying to win for this particular year, but it can help you focus on your other teams that you are trying to build for victory. Because we all play in a lot of dynasty leagues, and it's a, it's, I mean, looking for trades, and I'm I'm so glad that this is an exercise you do on your show. It just makes it so much easier because like we had three. I looked at this roster, this league for like. 30 45 minutes trying to like all right like i gotta bring something yeah. good and something yeah. valuable to this show like i can't just show be like uh because like trades take a lot of mental capacity to try to come up with and a lot goes into it and that's part of the reason why again going back to the trade you know culture is that a lot of people are like i'll just send out this lazy trade that is one-sided and, and that's easy on my brain like i don't have to really think it through i don't right. need to go through their roster to see what they need it's because people want that you know quick you know they, they want to do things fast. Like they, they want don't that want endorphin to... hit of winning the trade. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that going back to contending versus competing, that's really up to the owner. And he right. really has to be honest with himself and be like, okay, like who else does he need to play? Like, how's the scoring? Is it, you know, all scoring? Is it head to head matchups? Like, can you actually win? And when you get to the playoffs, are you a favorite or are you like one bad week away from just getting knocked out and you just gave up so much to right. be, you know, second place or third place? Because let, let's be honest, like if your team's kicking ass, like, you know, it, and you yep. know, like this team is so stacked, like, you know, you're going to be either one piece away and maybe this guy seems like he's three or four pieces away. And maybe that's a little too much to try to, really make a run at this when i mean the fact that he said he was contending and he really doesn't have a quarterback like i thought was kind of like a red flag it's one qb enough. which i will say in one qb you you can kind of get away with yeah. the quarterback not being strong and one QB but, i've seen it happen before but you got to be strong at all the other positions and i would agree that he's probably not the best at any of these positions like and, he's not and, dominant at any of these and i think too especially with the way that quarterback scoring is set i mean is this guy going to survive a game where he's facing Jalen Hurts or Josh Ooh. Allen or Lamar in the playoffs and they put up a 40-burger? Like, does he have the ponies and horses to get there if his quarterback only scores 15 points that week? Like, That's a fair point. You're you're well, down 25 already. And <clears throat> yeah, you have good receivers and running backs, but so do these other teams. But they also have that quarterback that scored 40 points. And you don't because you have Davis Mills. Like, yeah, fair, <laughs> like, fair point. So... I, Especially because and, and those quarterbacks are hard to get, like even in one quarterback oh, yeah. league. So um, I think that's something to keep in mind as well. Like you have to have, you need to be, you need to look at that, those rosters, I would even say. Like who has, we talked about the team that has Lamar Jackson. It's like, are your running backs, receivers, and tight ends better than theirs? Because they have to be, because you're not going to win quarterback. Um, well, I wanted to add this. Have. To add the timing factor to this, Scott brings up the point too, like you're sixth in points. But look at this roster. Damian Pierce and Kenneth Walker did not start the year as yeah. running backs that were dominating. And then you got a receiver, Pittman, Higgins, Pierce, Smith. None of those guys have dominated. Like they're all great receivers. And I do think all of those receivers start turning it on here soon, right? You've also got Jameis Williams on IR. 
Like he has not had any points this year. In my opinion, that does not make a team not contend if they haven't scored in the past. I'm looking to the future and I'm looking at this. Like, I think this team can be a good team still this year. And again, if, if Dan thinks it's a contender, I'm willing to go. I don't, the thing I don't want to do with this. And this is again, why I think this is such a fun exercise. I don't want to see Dan's thing like Scott did here. And I love that he did this because this is such a Scott thing to do. He's like, you're wrong. Here's what I would do. My (laughs) thought process is you're telling me you're a contender with that knowledge. Let me give you advice to help with that. Right. I can easily say, nope, you're not. Let's change direction. But I don't think that helps as much. If Dan wants to be a contender, here's some moves I would make. And the point of this exercise, as you kind of said, it takes a while to think of trades. There have been a ton of times where I've spent 30 minutes and I come up with one trade in a, in a super flex league. And it's like Jared Goff for Alexander Madison in a third. Like that's the best I can come up. With. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's so tough sometimes. Right. So it's nice to hear other people kind of look at it from the outside and say, okay, here's what I would do. And then the bigger picture is it gives us a chance to talk about some of these players in a bigger way and say, okay, here's why I'm targeting them. Here's what I'm looking for. And we got to talk about stacking this week, which is terrific. Like if you have a team like this and you're kind of on the fence or you don't know if your team is great or not or whatever, try to stack, see what that does. Let's go get some of those players. Let's see what that is. So I don't think Scott's wrong for saying this. Again, it's a very portfolio place way to play it because Scott is great at determining contender or not. He, he has so he's in 50 dynasty leagues and he's had, he's got shares of everybody all over the place. Right. So he knows if a team is good or not. And he is very honest with himself after week four and says, Nope, I'm out. I gotta, I gotta burn it and start over. Um, while that's a fun strategy, there are definitely leagues where that's just not possible. I'm in a couple leagues where there's just no trading, where it's just crickets and there's no activity and the chat is pretty quiet and their trade bait gets updated maybe once in a while and that's about it. Those leagues, you're not able to turn it around. You're not really able to send out offers and get picks. Nobody's moving anything. Everybody loves their team. They're all fine with what they're doing. Like So it kind of, again, he, Dan knows his team better than I do. If he knows these managers and he knows that some of them are, are obviously are better teams than his, but if he thinks his team is ready to contend, all right, here's some options to help. And I actually thought your trade was was better than mine. I'll be honest. Uh, I spent about five or 10 minutes, came up with a good one and said, let me look at that later. Went back five or 10 minutes. I'm like, yeah, that still feels pretty good to me. I still like getting Kittle. You know, yeah, getting Zeke can be risky and all that. But I like the idea of getting Amon Ross St. Brown. So I like your trade, contender or not. I think that's still a good dynasty move. And again, with Scott not being here and able to stand up for himself, obviously his trade was fine, but I'm not a fan of it personally. Just not my thing. But before we get out of here, Andrew, tell people where you are, where they can find you and all the work that you do. I know it's pretty obvious if you're watching, you can see the logo behind you, but where can people hear your voice? Yeah, so I am, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore, same thing on Instagram, on TikTok, on all the social media platforms at Andrew Erickson underscore. And then you Why the underscore? At, I got to was there, uh, a re- is there another Andrew Erickson taken? Yeah, there's another Andrew oh. Erickson taken. So Jerk. unfortunately I've been not able to uh, <laughs> pry it from his... Uh, his Twitter, but hey, you know, the underscore is part of my person. It's part of my brand now. So, you know, That's right. I, I, I like it and I'm at the, I'm on fantasy pros. So I'm on the fantasy pros football podcast that we talked about earlier in the show. You can find all my work over written work at fantasypros.com. Do YouTube videos for them as well. That's the one shop shop and the rankings are there as well. Rankings from dynasty week seven rankings, all the stuff you need trade targets. It's all in there. It's all good stuff. And as Tater Wolf, again, in the chat, love you paying attention. The other Andrew Erickson doesn't have that <laughs> big pot energy, though. So I love that. That's exactly Damn right. Damn right, Tater Wolf. They exactly don't. Exactly right. Exactly right. And then, obviously, I'd feel remiss if we didn't bring this up. One of the people that made me want to create content was the one and only Tags, Mike Taglier. I know, and Tater Wolf put this earlier, we all miss Tags. Obviously, we're, we're doing our best to live on in his honor. And 
I, I know I we hopefully have Debro on at some point, but I love that he gets to do that primer every week now. I love that that continues on. That every time I see that, I get a little like, oh, I'm so glad that's in my inbox. You know what I mean? Like that just that mm-hmm. was the thing that just I look forward to every week. And uh, so it's great. I love what you guys do over there. Obviously, I'm I'm part of the team, so it's kind of obvious that I'd be a fan. But I love what Fantasy Pros does. I think you guys are terrific, and really appreciate you coming on. Uh, with that, let's kind of wrap this up. We've got obviously I gave the handles at the beginning of the show, but obviously you can follow me at Andrew Hall FF. I'm part of the FF crew, uh, not the underscore crew. So maybe we're fighting there, Andrew. I don't know. But uh, you can find the Dynasty Junkies at Dynasty Junkies. You can follow the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, the DAP Network at DAP underscore Network. Uh, none of the other hosts get their handles read tonight because they weren't on the show. Uh, make sure you subscribe and rate and review, obviously, on any podcast form that you have. Follow us on YouTube on the DAP Network there as well. And obviously, shout out to all the guys in the chat. Tater Wolf, of course, thanks for hanging out with us the whole time. Uh, we had another question from, I think it was SU, was a question in there, a couple others in there. And again, we're at 14-6, heading close to the middle of the second half here, the second quarter. This is great. I get to watch the end of this game for a change. And if anybody out there is listening and hated what we had to say, don't tell us. But if you loved it, tweet at us. We'd love to hear it. So again, Andrew, thank you so much for the junkies for coming on tonight. We really appreciate you. And everybody else, junkies out. Junkies out.